The views expressed on this podcast are those of the participants, not of Reuters News. Elon Musk is making a wager with South Australia that may reveal challenges with Tesla. And in Texas, a battle is looming between investment icons, Warren Buffett and Paul Singer over an energy company. Those are the topics we'll be discussing on this week's Views Room, a weekly conversation among Breaking Views columnists about the ups and downs of the world of finance. I'm Jennifer Saba, and also with me in the studio is my co-host, Anthony Curry. Hello, Anthony. Hello. Elon Musk went to Australia. They're having massive energy problems right now, which we can get into in a minute. And he said, listen, I'm going to help you with your renewable energy problem, but I'm going to do it in like 30 days or 100 days or some crazy amount of time. Why don't you kind of set up the story and explain what is going on down under? Yeah, sure. So South Australia, one of the six states, has had some pretty bad energy blackouts over the past year, basically during Australia's summer. The first one was in September after a storm that people there described as a 50-year storm. It so like out, their equivalent of a Hurricane Sandy Almost, or yeah. Like Gale-force winds, they knocked out a lot of transmission lines, a lot of the interconnectors between the various parts of the energy network. Uh, and this meant that a number of homes, I think 1.7 million homes at one point, uh, were without electricity. The utility companies were then struggling for two weeks to get everyone back on. Most people were back on within a day or so. A lot of people are pinning this on renewable energy. Um, South Australia now gets about 40% of its energy from wind and solar. Is that unusual? Is that a um, high it's amount? One of the high, it's that? probably the highest, yeah, certainly in Australia. And there, there can be problems with that. One of the issues is you know, how do you store renewable energy? It's not, it's, it doesn't store or well, you can't generate it the way you can generate other traditional en- uh, energy. So how do you store it to keep for demand for when it's there? Or how do you make sure that if there's a crisis, you have a backup? One of the problems that the big storm created was that it knocked out, actually knocked out a lot of the, 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 the energy grid for a while. But I think nine big wind power stations were also knocked out uh, or turned off because the wind was too high for them to operate. Okay, so here's where Elon Musk comes into play. So he basically says, I'm going to build you a big battery. Is that is that yeah, it? Yeah, basically. So that there was a, a tender put out uh, at some point, and Elon Musk just said on Twitter a few months ago, what we'll do, he said, we'll do this for you. We'll provide a 100 megawatt battery, which is far larger than any other utility has got. I think it's 20 megawatts for one of the uh, U.S. utilities that's taken on the, the Powerwall Tesla's battery product. And he said, look, we can put it up within 100 days of... Uh, sign the contract. And if we don't, you'll get it for free. Okay. <laughs> so that's really nice for yeah. the people of Australia. But at the same time, Elon runs a public company, Tesla, and he just combined it, right, with SolarCity. Yep. Uh, so he kind of moshed these companies together, and there was all sorts of controversy about that. And now he's like using companies' money, I guess, to wager, I'm assuming, that that he would be paying out of pocket from Tesla's yeah, shareholders it, 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 if, he, yeah, if he loses his yeah. bet? As you said, again, it, as you've been saying, it's, it is a wager. So he is saying we can do this. And basically, they're just providing the storage. And they're going to be hooking up the storage to one of the wind farms there. And the idea is that this the storage capacity will be enough to cover 30,000 homes. Although, if you read some of the critics are saying, look, it can provide electricity for one and a half hours. What's the point of that? And I haven't gone into the details, but that's certainly what the critics are saying uh, about the deal. Well, if you're Elon Musk, you think, look, we, we launched this battery product a couple of years ago before the Solar City deal. So this is Tesla's own battery product being produced out of the Gigafactory that it's been that it's set up um, uh, here in, in, in the US. And the idea is that he wants to uh, turn what well, he's already calling Tesla uh, an energy company as opposed to a car company, even though 
90, 95% of the revenue comes from selling Tesla cars. On one hand, he's trying to ramp up what the company can do. On the other hand, he's also basically cleaving to what he's always done um, for the past 15, 20 years in, in, in his various industries from PayPal onwards, which is to change the nature of the game and in, in the sense of energy uh, and, and driving, trying to change things for the better, regardless of whether you think the products are good or bad, regardless of what you think of where the shares should be, the products he's coming up with are, me- are designed to try and make uh, the world a better place. Well, okay, that, that, that may all be, and I totally agree with you. I think it's really interesting that he's trying to solve this problem. But why the wager? I mean, that kind of brings us back to the yeah. corporate governance issue. I mean, must was that really necessary for him to kind of throw in the, you know, if we don't do it in 100 days, the crazy Eddie, like, it's guarantee, <laughs> like, whatever it is. Like, I mean, couldn't he have just said, listen, we want this, we want to do this for you. We're going to try our best. To well, get I, th- I think, A, he wants to win the contract. It was a, apparently a competitive bid. He wants to try and sell more of these batteries. It's a very new business for Tesla uh, to try and sell um, batteries to be used by uh, in the home and, in this case, in utilities. And it could be a pretty big business and maybe quite a profitable business. He's saying that if we do this and we don't do it within a 100-day period, we'll probably lose around $50 million. That's all in, including transporting it over there. And, and so in, in terms well. of Tesla, that's not a big number? Well, uh, you know, that, that, I don't well, know. Well, I mean, that would... That's probably, depending on which quarter you look at, it's probably going to um, double or, or send up by a, a third or 25% uh, the loss uh, that the company makes. It's still not making money, right? So it's not insignificant, but also he, he's a man trying to get a, business, get a bigger business. He consistently comes up with these targets. He usually fails to hit them. In this one case, you've got to hope that he's got, he knows he's got enough batteries to put it in there and that he knows... Uh, that he can get it installed properly, having never done it before. He's at least, one would hope, given it a good shot. Otherwise, he's basically already saying, I'm going to lose $50 million as an advertising exercise. Tesla's share price, I haven't looked at it recently, but it's it's crazy high. Yeah, it? actually, it, it did lose. Um, I mean, we're getting into bear market territory uh, on, on an official basis. It was down, I think, more than 20% in a few months uh, last week, in part because people were starting to worry about whether he hits his targets or not. And some of the some of the analysts on Wall Street, I mean, they, they come up with crazy changes to numbers sometimes. You know, $100, $200 per share changes in what they think uh, the share uh, the, the company's worth. It depends what you think about where Tesla will be in, at the end of the day as, as, as a company. Will it be one that is not just leading the charge by being one of the first out there with these products? Or will it be a dominant player in businesses where it has also led? So will it sell enough to hit... Uh, the expectations investors have in it. I, I think as, for as long as I've been looking at this company, um, we've been assuming the answer has to be no, just because for, with the best will in the world, you've got far too much competition out there and there's no way that Tesla can just dominate it. It doesn't mean it's not doing a good job. It doesn't mean with the battery products in South Australia that it's not trying to prove that you can come up with a good way of dealing with um, a problem that renewable energy causes, storage, but it doesn't mean that Tesla as a company is going to be worth the astounding multiple that, co- that the investors currently ascribe to it. So that sounds like a mounting set of challenges for Elon Musk, but I'm sure you'll be following this closely. Thanks for that, Anthony. We're staying with the energy business for our second segment, the fate of the world's largest leverage buyout. We're talking about the $44 billion deal a decade ago for Texas Utilities, now renamed Energy Future Holdings. 
And this company has had a ton of Wall Street bigwigs involved. KKR, Goldman Sachs and TPG were the ones who took it private in 2007. And now we've got Warren Buffett and Paul Singer, who runs aggressive hedge fund Elliott Management, possibly battling over how to take the company out of its three-year-long bankruptcy. Joining us to explain the ins and outs of this sorry saga and what Buffett and Singer are fighting over is our Dallas correspondent, Lauren Silver-Loughlin. Hi, Lauren. Hello. This just looks like one hell of a mess. Why don't you talk us through just the background very briefly of why this company was taken private and why it went into bankruptcy? Well, there's some great little bits of this company, which is what the private equity investors were after 10 years ago and what Elliott Management and Buffett are after now. The problem was it was taken private in really the height of the leverage buyout boom when debt was being given freely and the assets to buy were being picked over and priced very high. And at the same time, shortly after the buyout went through, natural gas prices fell off a cliff. And this was really a bet by KKR and its partners on natural gas prices that dropped quite a lot and never recovered after the recession. So the asset very quickly went into decline and the Texas regulators here tried and tried fairly successfully to protect the actual utility service, which pumps uh, electricity into people's homes. And that's really the most valuable part of the business. They ring fence that part of the business is called Encore. And they were able to sort of keep that business out of bankruptcy while the parent company filed. They filed in 2014, and really for the last three years, the regulators and various bidders have been fighting over what to do with it. And um, am I right in thinking that there's a, a couple of deals got pretty close? Creditors for Energy Future Holdings agreed to a couple of deals, but regulators didn't? That's right. And um, the regulators in the first deal was by a, a family group here named Hunt. The regulators liked most of their deal, but had a couple of uh, changes, and Hunt wouldn't agree to that. Then NextEra, which is a Florida-based utility company, came along last year, offered to buy Encore. And the again, the Texas regulators weren't sort of given the certainty of, of how they were going to structure the management and ring fence the business so that they'd have protections. And that deal fell through only a few months ago. So now we've got Buffett coming in to make an offer. Talk us through the offer and what they're trying to achieve. So they too are buying Encore and they have a, a large energy business and they're going to be want to tack it on to that business. And there is some broader consolidation going on in the uh, utility business and it has on and off for the past several decades. Right now the utility business is being hit by uh, low natural gas prices and other sources of energy are struggling to bring in cash for these businesses. So everyone's kind of shifting assets and trying to figure out what to do. Buffett has put together a pretty interesting deal. Unlike Hunt and NextEra, he's actually gone to the regulators before he's gone to the creditors. And that's where we're seeing some problems bubble up. And what's he offering for the business? He's offering about $9 billion to buy Encore's business. Um, which is slightly less than what NextEra offered, which is about roughly $500 million more. There's also the debt that goes along with the business that is sort of anywhere between bringing the enterprise value of the company now to about 18 or so billion dollars. 
Okay. So where does where does Elliot come into all this? Now, when we think of Elliot Management and, and Paul Singer, who runs it, you know, we think of activists, fund management, jumping into stocks, and also, of course, taking on and basically winning against the Argentine government over its um, uh, uh, bond default. Yeah. So what's Elliot's dog in this show? Elliot is very, as you say, stubborn, maybe, activist investor, which is probably a good way to be. Um, and they went and bought up a bunch of debt in, uh, in the bankrupt parent company of Encore. And they believe, I think, it seems like what they're fighting for anyway, is that they have the ability to sort of vote, vote. Well, they do have the ability to vote against, but maybe even block Buffett's offer. And trying to show that he has given a proposal that they don't find sufficient, they've put out their own proposal. And they're really making quite a lot of noise and puts Buffett in a pretty difficult situation. Um, Lauren, so Buffett has the backing of the Texas Utilities Commission. You know, if Elliot, let's say he wins over Buffett, would he need the Texas Utilities Commission approval as well? And, you know, how likely are they to give it to him over Buffett? He would. And it seems very, very unlikely at this point because he has a pretty squishy proposal. Right now, the proposal, the only one that's real that the creditors have to evaluate is Buffett's proposal. And it's real because in this case, he's got sort of a, an acknowledgement from the regulators that they like it. And that's a proposal that they're going to be able to vote on, it would seem. Um, Elliot's proposal has some complicated parts of the structure. It's suggesting to swap debt for equity, which is really just more or less a bankruptcy emergence rather than an actual bid. They have to get some financing backers for the deal as well. So it's really more illustrative than anything else. Why, why does Elliot, you know, it sounds like he has a weaker plan. So and he probably won't win. So what's the point of fighting? So under, um, under Buffett's proposal, Elliot says they'll only be paid 24 cents for every dollar of bonds that they own. And um, because they're very subordinated bonds, every, every incremental, you know, dollar that comes in through the door for Encore it will go to Elliot's value. So it's hard to know exactly where Elliot bought the bonds, but they bought those bonds um, at, at latest in April of this year. So they were probably trading pretty low, but I don't know if they were trading as low as 24. Um, so you can see that um, even a little bit of a bump in an offer from Buffett or anyone else um, is going to go straight into Elliot's books. And that's why they're really ready to dig their heels, heels in here. So what do you think happens next? I mean, is that the end game that we within two weeks we'll know the answer? Or is this going to drag on even more past the three-year anniversary of, uh, of them filing for bankruptcy and even beyond the 10-year anniversary of, of closing the LBO in September 2007? Well, I think Elliot's invested in having this drag on as long as they can, if only to try to see if another bidder will come forward. So Buffett's next move may be just to walk away, which he's done before. And I don't think he, you know, I don't think there's anything keeping him from doing it again. Okay. Thanks, Lauren. All right. Thank you very much. That's our show for this week. I'd like to thank my co-host, Anthony Curry, and my colleague, Lauren Silva Laughlin. Also to our producers, Bethel Hopday and Andrew D'Antonio. Check us out every day at BreakingViews.com and subscribe to The Views Room on iTunes. We'll be back next week, and we'd love for you to listen again. Thanks for joining us.